Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 20th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today with the beat writers and columnists and trying to bring a bit of reason to the rumors that are flying around about the possibility of signing players like Odell Beckham Jr. or Christian McCaffrey. Columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell, along with beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie T.O.P., discuss what the Chiefs' biggest needs are and why they should not be in a panic mode. The show started as a lively Sports Beat Live discussion. Let's get right into it. Uh, welcome to Sports Beat Live, uh, our weekly show talking Kansas City Chiefs uh, with you and with the folks in the media who know them best. And uh, look who's here, Sam McDowell, Vaya Gregorian, Herbie Teope. And I've just got a, an open-ended question to get, think, get things started this morning. Should Andy Reid just go ahead and start Odell Beckham this weekend and Christian McCaffrey and Brian Burns, uh, or should they wait to sign these guys first and then maybe consider uh, playing them? But, Herbie, I'll go to you uh, with this. Um, uh, what do you think? Beckham in the starting lineup on, on Sunday at San Francisco? Hey, we are officially in speculation season part two. Normally we go through this in October, excuse me, in March leading up to free agency. Look, here's how I feel about OBJ. The guy hasn't been healthy since 2019. Two or actually three major invasive surgeries. He's had two torn ACLs and a core muscle surgery. You know, what are you getting with Odell Beckham Jr. at this stage of his career outside of his name? And yet, if you're chasing past glory, what what do you get with him when he doesn't even play special teams? You have three of those players that do that: McCole Hardman, Justin Watson, as well as Sky Moore. So when you look at the wide receiver core, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I know there's other names out there as well: Christian McCaffrey. Now he might make sense. You know, the 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 Chiefs did restructure Travis Kelsey's contract to give them some cap room because if you trade for a player, you have to absorb that contract. But as far as the OBJ stuff, does it make sense from, from a lot of people's point of view? It does. But to me, it just doesn't because of what, you know, his inability to stay healthy. And I just don't feel like you should chase past glory when he's had three major surgeries over the past three seasons. So I don't see him in the lineup. He has to pass a physical first, too. Well, um, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. Kelsey's the one that has fueled the rumors with his uh, his podcast with his brother, and uh, he wants Odell Beckham. And it, it was funny if, if you haven't heard it, you should go and listen to the the, 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 the at least the the excerpt of Travis Kelsey talking to his brother um, about uh, about restructuring the contract and having um, about three and a half million dollars available to you know and then and to to Travis Kelsey that's money that the Chiefs should and will use pretty pretty soon. Jesse Newell's joined us. And Jesse, we're just in the middle of discussion about uh, whether Odell Beckham Jr. will start for the Chiefs on Sunday at, at San Francisco. Um, I, I'm still wavering on this, but um, what do you make of the rumors this week? Well, yeah, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, that's obvious. Uh, it seems like there probably is mutual interest there, but uh, I'm I'm sort of in Herbie's agreeing with Herbie, which is not a very good standing to be in usually. Like that's sort of where I want to avoid. Uh, but you know, I, I I think 
so I wrote today about the man coverage. The Chiefs face a lot of man coverage. It's, it's really much not a secret that sometimes the receivers struggle to, to beat that, which is something you're going to need. Now, I looked at the numbers, and two weeks ago, the Chiefs actually were the most productive team in the NFL in any game this season at beating man coverage when the Raiders tried to double up and triple up Travis Kelsey. We saw MBS and McCole Hardman have huge games for them then and uh, were able to be productive. But it doesn't make as much sense to me just because I think the guys that can help them beat man coverage are guys that have not been fully themselves so far, which is McCole Hardman with his knee injury. And then obviously Sky Moore, a rookie who is just getting comfortable. His What we've seen so far is uh, that, you know, he's been productive when he's in there. He just hasn't completely grasped the whole playbook and they're not comfortable putting him in there and giving him that huge role. Now I think week 16, 17, 18, that potentially could happen, but Right now, you're just sort of dealing with a rookie who is getting more comfortable with every passing week. So I think mostly what Odell Beckham Jr. could bring K or bring K, you bring the Chiefs is something that uh, is, is something that uh, Sky Moore could give them and Michael Hardman can give them when he's healthy. But again, that's that's not, I'm not the Chiefs. So if they decide Odell Beckham Jr., he's obviously young. He's a guy that's a little different situation than some of these guys that they brought in the past. But you do go back. It seems like every year that Chiefs fans go through this, like. Le'Veon Bell is the missing piece. Josh Gordon's the missing piece. LaShawn McCoy is the missing piece. How much of those guys really helped in the past? Again, maybe OBJ is the exception. I can't say that, but it does seem like the Chiefs are at least sniffing around and seeing if there's potentially mutual interest there, if they can clear some room. So we'll see what happens from this point forward. Jesse, I'm really impressed with uh, KU's new reach on uh, its recruiting efforts uh, under Lance Leipold. That would be something else. Hey, just to chime in real quick, just the mention of those those. Le'Veon Bell, Josh Gordon type things. I maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like that that the OBJ situation rings of that more than it rings of something that's really a uh, obvious solution. I maybe you guys have seen it. I don't really know his condition either. I mean that ACL was just ten months ago. Do we know that he's uh, going to pass a physical? As Herbie points out, I mean I I suppose it wouldn't be talked about this much if it weren't likely he could, but. Um, I feel like if the Chiefs – look, a lot of times you have to kind of spackle together the way you improve, right? It's it's hard to do with big leaps and bounds in the middle of a season. But um, I'd sure like to be thinking uh, about something more dynamic that could do a few different things and that, uh, that the recent track record is much more um, exciting with. A guy like Christian McCaffrey it takes a little something different to get at Christian McCaffrey, obviously. But um, – if, if the thought is the Chiefs really need to catalyze this offense with something special, then um, I, I don't think OBJ is the, the, the answer. If I can, you know, you mentioned this, this ACL. He tore it in the Super Bowl, and, that, and if I'm not mistaken, that second torn ACL was like 16 months removed from his last torn ACL. So you're dealing with two torn ACLs for a wide receiver who turns 30 on November the 5th. So, you know, you're – I just don't high risk or excuse me, low risk, high reward, depending on what kind of contract I sign him to. But it's just you're dealing with damaged goods here. And I'm not sure it's low risk. See, I I hear people say that all the time, Herbie. But the risk is that you take out either McCole Hardman or Sky Moore from your rotation when those guys potentially could be better because they know the offense and they've been through it. And again, a guy like Sky Moore is just a rookie who's ascending and getting more comfortable with the playbook. So you have to take somebody out to put him in and, um, again, I'll just preface this always with I'm not the Chiefs. So they have a better grasp of their roster and potentially uh, what is needed uh, in that regard. And listen, it's this is fun to talk about. Trades are fun. They're exciting. I mean, I'm looking right now as Shannon Sharp is discussing this on Undisputed. 
OBJ to KC. So, I mean, I get it. Like, like this is a national story. It's not just a local story. We all have fun talking about these sorts of things. But, I, again, I think the reality of this might be a little bit different from the perception of this. OBJ is a big name. We know he's a huge personality. He's on Twitter defending himself with Chiefs fans yesterday. So, all this stuff kind of builds up some fire. But uh, as far as the results go and how much of an impact this potentially could make on the Chiefs when they might face the Bills and in Buffalo in the AFC Championship game, I just don't know how much that is and potentially how much better that would be than a healthy McCall Hardman or a developing Sky Moore. I like Michael's comment, a healthy OBJ might have won that uh, 50-50 ball, um, the, the, the one that MVS did not come down with. And yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't have the, uh, the, the TV on in front of me, but just on Twitter, the last 24 hours, we've seen OBJ to the Vikings, to the Bills, to the Chiefs, um, uh, Packers, uh, all sorts of destinations for OBJ. And it, Herbie, r- remind me, when, when is the trade deadline and, and how might that factor into – could a team make a move before the trade deadline? You could possibly see that. And the trade deadline is after the week eight bye. I believe it's November the 1st. If, I don't have it in front of me, but I know it's the first week of November. And the Chiefs have been – you know, they've been active. You know, Remember last year they traded for Melvin Ingram, but they also showed some interest in Lonnie Johnson. You know, we didn't know about that until Brett Veach revealed that during OTAs. So you know, they are pinging away here. And, you know, when you, when you gain cap space at this time of the year – uh, you just saw Willie, special guest Willie, jumping off the cat tree behind me. But anyway, when, when you clear up some cat space at this time of the year, you know, that may be a prelude to, hey, if we do make this trade, we have to absorb that contract for the rest of the year, and we just don't have the space. We need to build some space. So, you know, like like Jesse said, you know, we're not the Chiefs, but some of the signs point to something might be happening. Sam, your silence is deafening um, on this whole matter. I mean, the Chiefs have the number one ranked offense in the NFL, and we're talking about giving up all they acquired in the Tyree Kill trade to, to acquire offensive assets. Um, so to me, if, if, if I am Brett Veach and I'm looking at how can I best improve this roster, it's with a move like Herbie mentioned that they made last year. It's a Melvin Ingram-type move. I mean, I think the elephant in the room this year is their top draft – or. You know, Trent McDuffie hasn't played, but their two first-round draft picks have not contributed this year. Trent McDuffie has been injured, and George Karloftis has been bad. He does not have a sack this year. Maybe he got half a sack on that Frank Clark play. Um, but, I mean, you look at his pro football focus rankings, they're terrible every week. Um, so, I need – if this is my roster, I need an edge rusher, and that's what I'd be targeting if I, if I was going to give up draft capital – um, if I was going to eat up the only cap space I have for the remainder of the year, um, it's to get something that I feel like is an actual weakness. And I don't look at my wide receivers right now and think, man, I got to have another wide receiver to put me over the top. The Chiefs, like I said, they lead the NFL in points this year. Yep. Yep. That leads me into a, another topic is what are the biggest needs for this team? And how does the Bills game in retrospect um Kind of figure into that. What did we see at Arrowhead last weekend that amplifies those needs? And absolutely, uh, listen, I, I agree with you, Sam, but I also look on the other side, the, the edges on, on both defense and offense, right? Lack of a pass rush and not a um, and, and not enough protection for Patrick Mahomes. I, hey, Jesse, I enjoyed your uh, your your latest um, breakdown 
of uh, the film breakdown of, the, of, of Jesse takes a play every week. And please remind me who your um, partner is in crime on this. Yeah, Brett Savo. He's actually from around the area in Missouri, but uh, he was a backup quarterback, I'm told, in high school around here, or maybe it was college. <laughs> I don't want to sell him short, but he's great on the inside. He was a former offensive coordinator uh, for high schools uh, all over the place. And uh, yeah, he does some great breakdowns, but uh, mentioning just kind of the Von Miller sack that happened late. But go ahead, Blair, with uh, no, it, well, and that's. Yeah, yeah. So uh, breaking down that play, one of the things that struck me it was the it was the sack. Chiefs had the three point lead it was twenty to seventeen in the fourth quarter. Chiefs had the ball. They get a touchdown here. They win the. I think they win the game. Instead, on third and six, uh, the, the Bills get a sack of Mahomes, and they did it with a three man rush. Three man rush. You can't have that. You absolutely can't have that. The Bills did a great job disguising their defense in that moment. And I thought Kelsey got off the line a little too slowly, uh, couldn't get open, but anyway, so I, I, you know, I, I think the offensive tackles have not played well in, in the big moments and, and, and the chiefs aren't getting enough pat. The chiefs are not getting home with four and the bills got home with three in a big moment the other day. So I'm, I'm, I'm with Sam on this. I, there are needs bigger than wide receiver and running back. Um, but one of the players that could be out there is the, uh, Burns from from the Carolina Panthers. Could the Chiefs be looking in that direction? And how how do you guys how do you guys feel about uh, just bigger needs uh, for the Chiefs than wide receiver? It just comes down to what you have to give up for them. You know, I mean, I, I think that giving up a lot of draft capital would directly counter everything they did this last off season. And if that's the requirement to go get a player like that, then I, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to sort of extend this window in the off season and then push your chips back all in the middle of the table. This, this what week eight, week nine of this season, you only get them for half a season. Um, I think it would have made more sense to do a move like that in the off season. If, if that was the plan, I mean, this was clearly a need, especially going into the draft when a move like that would have been made um, or pre-draft. So um, absolutely, you got to check in on on the Carolina Panthers. You know they have guys available. You know those guys could help your roster. Um, but it all comes down to what the cost might be. And Chiefs are not going to be the only team if Christian McCaffrey is available, if Brian Burns is available. They're not going to be the only team that, that wants those two players or that feels like those two players can help their roster. So I, I don't anticipate it would be a cheap cost. So we had talked about how exciting this is, OBJ. By the way, Undisputed is still talking about it. Seven minutes later, on my screen, OBJ to KC, they are still discussing it. Uh, let's talk about some boring stuff, because that's kind of what Sam is mentioning here. And this is where you have to come from it if you are Brett Beach. Okay, We talked about the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill. They got the draft capital. They are pushing their window open. They're saying, what the Chiefs are saying is, we have Patrick Mahomes. We plan on getting younger, uh, getting these young guys in, developing them, and, and being Super Bowl contenders for the next 10 years. That's basically the decision they made. Okay, what has happened so far this year with the Chiefs? Okay, we thought the Bills were the best team in the NFL. The Bills are the best team in the NFL. We thought the Chiefs were probably the second best team or somewhere around there. The Chiefs are probably the second best team, especially in the AFC. The rest of the AFC and the AFC West has fallen back. Okay, they are not as good as we thought. The rest of the AFC in general has probably fallen back. Who's the third best team in the AFC? Baltimore, maybe? I don't Cincinnati. know. Cincinnati, maybe. And they struggled early on. So, again, what has happened to the Chiefs is they basically stay the same. These other teams have probably gotten worse. The AFC West has gotten worse. 
And so why does this change anybody's mind? I mean, where this is barreling towards, again, if we're just being totally non-emotional about this, is a game for the AFC Championship in Buffalo where the Chiefs are probably four to five point underdogs. That sounds bad. And again, some of these things we're talking about in the margins, maybe the Chiefs become, if they get a Burns, a three-point underdog instead of a four-point underdog. But what happened last year? The Chiefs were a seven-point favorite in the AFC Championship game and lost, right, to the Bengals. So this is what Brett Veach's kind of master plan is right now. It's like, okay, there's going to be teams that pop up. Sam wrote a great piece about this this last week. The Bills have popped up this year. They pushed all their chips in. They got Vaughn Miller. They said, it's time to win now. It's time to take down the Chiefs now. Well, what has that bought them? It's probably bought them being a four- or five-point favorite in Buffalo in the AFC Championship game in a game that the Bengals won last year because they had a chance. So, again, the semantics of all this is like we can talk to our blue in the face about this edition can do this or this or that. We're probably talking about a half a point or a point in this game coming up against Buffalo at the end of the season if it ends up the way the Chiefs are hoping right now. So that, to me, kind of to Sam's point, why would you shove everything back in the middle to try to gain one or two points here in the short term when basically you're saying, you're trying to build this thing for the long term and make sure that you're going to be good and in that conversation every single year. So I, I just don't see that much that has changed with the Chiefs, especially when you talk about if they got blown out by the Bills, maybe that's a different discussion. They lost by four and they were up in the fourth quarter. So I just don't see this as a burn it to the ground, change everything up. The Chiefs are probably in a pretty good position based off what they thought going into this year. Just just one thing, that Jesse, you, you take me to this and it's it's sort of, uh, in harmony with what you're saying, but sort of makes a little different point, I think. You know, the Chiefs did a lot of things in reaction to that Bengals loss. And, you know, there, there, there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, just data they took from that into what they were going to do in the offseason. And part of the, uh, the the reason they lost that game was the inability to generate a pass rush. Uh, on a team that had, what was it, uh, Burrow was sacked like 17 times in the two games sandwiched around the Chiefs game. And as it stands right now, the Chiefs have sort of the same, that same problem. Um, and to the point that you guys have made, I mean, that seems to be the greatest need. And it it's just interesting to me, they did so much to try to address that, or at least thinking they were addressing that, and that that has been flat, stagnant, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's all, just a, just an observation that that remains their vulnerability. I, I do want to address, Blair, there's a couple of comments um, about my comments about Carl Loftus in our comments section, which is great. Um, love the interaction. Um, you know, a couple, somebody mentioned that he leads rookies and, and pressures the percentage of pressures is much lower than his total. Like George Karloftis is getting a lot of snaps this year. He has over 300 pass rush or 300 snaps already. Um, secondly, you look at the totality of his contribution. For example, on pro football focus, there are 180 players who are graded this year. Karloftis is ranked 166th on the edge. So, I'm not saying that George Karloftis doesn't have a future. I still think he does have a long-term future in this league. But we're talking about what helps the team now. Like, that's a weakness right now. There's no doubt that they're not getting production out of that position. And by the way, it's not just about George Karloftis. They're not getting production on the other side either. I think, you know, you talk about pressures. Frank Clark only has 12 all year. There's nobody in the NFL that has more snaps than, than Frank Clark, but fewer pressures than Frank Clark. So you look at the needs of this team, I, I, I just think it's incredibly obvious that it's that position. 
they do need a running back as well. Like their running backs are not producing as well. I just think in the totality of the way that she's run the offense, it's important, but less so than these other positions that they potentially have some needs as well. I think what's fascinating about this discussion too, is we sort of get pigeonholed in our own boxes too. Like, who have the Chiefs faced pass rush wise the past whatever four weeks? I mean, they've faced Max Crosby, they faced Vaughn Miller. They've, I mean, they faced everybody in the NFL, like the best pass rush edge rushers that there are. And so I think sometimes you get this perception of like, hey, this is how the whole NFL is when really the Chiefs has sort of faced a schedule that has been pretty crazy. Um, I looked it up and, and Sam, this was a great offseason discussion we all talked about, but kind of how the pressure percentage hasn't turned into the sack percentage for the Chiefs. Anybody want to guess what the Chiefs' pressure percentage is this year? Uh, on on what, what would you guess? Are they ranking the NFL? Just without looking at it. Got a guess? Low. It's 11th. Uh, I just looked up the PFF pass rush grade for the Chiefs. Anybody want to guess? 11th. So, again, um, this seems like a glaring weakness. And, sure, we know that Spagnuolo has covered some of this up because he's blitzed. And guys like Legereus Sneed have gotten really good pass rush grades, that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah – the development of Carl Loftus is really important to kind of speak to this because they do have guys like, uh, especially Chris Jones. And we can talk about that other position too, where they've been all sorts of banged up that defensive tackle next to Chris Jones. They've had to circle guys through. They have not had consistency at that spot too, where you can generate pass rush from the inside too, as well. This doesn't just have to be an edge thing, but it's kind of interesting to me how all these numbers kind of are floating in different directions. And it's hard to sort of grasp exactly how big this problem is knowing that Spags blitzes, knowing that the chiefs, have had some success pass rushing, but not always consistent. So uh, it is one of those questions. But I, I agree with Sam in the general point, which is if you're going to make one short-term move, it's probably what they're looking at. They're looking at one short-term move. You're probably looking at either uh, defensive line uh, or you're looking at some sort of running back. And uh, that's kind of the plug-and-play thing, I think, that could help this team that really wouldn't impact their future that much. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Just a reminder, you're watching Sportsbeat Live, our weekly conversation about the Chiefs with Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian. Um, might be worth a reminder that over the past few years, when the Chiefs have added players during the seasons, the ones that had the most impact were defensive linemen, weren't they? Um, you know, Ingram last year, um, I go back to the 2019 season when they added Mike Pinnell. He was an inside guy, but did a really nice job for the Chiefs in his year and a half here. Terrell Suggs was, was a chief for a short time as, as well. So isn't it interesting, interesting that to me, uh, our conversations have been about what teams are doing to stop the chiefs, which have been kind of widely acknowledged as the best team in football since, I don't know, Mahomes second year as a starter when they're the Super Bowl year. And now we're talking about what the Chiefs need to do to catch what we think is the better team in the Buffalo Bills. It's just a different place. 
and uh, it changes the conversation a little bit. And, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a great tribute to, to Brett Veach and Andy Reid to, to keep the Chiefs at or near the top of the NFL, uh, you know, the, the, for as long as, it, it, it you know, they have. But it's a different – it's a little bit of a different place right now for the Chiefs. I, I think it is. And, and, and look, we know enough to, about them to understand that they get that, right? That they're – you wouldn't uh, challenge – Brett Veach's energy and imagination, right? I mean, the guy is kind of ever, ever churning and uh, it'd be great to have kind of a GoPro uh, cam on him right now uh, trying to see what, what he's doing because that he's just wired that way. And, and I think over time certainly has proven to have a good sense of their needs and the ability to, to, you know, fill in. Um, Some things have worked out better than others because they're willing to take chances. Um, but I think I think you're right that we're we're looking at a bit of a different order. Although I I'd still like to see the game last Sunday where Willie Gay and McDuffie are playing, and you know I mean the Bills had some people there down too, of course. But I I think this is um, I'd call it more of a coin toss with the Bills um, if the Chiefs can fill some element of this on on the D line and just just create more juice there. Look, it's, it's a really attractive job for an edge rusher because you've got Chris Jones getting constant attention on the interior. Um, I mean, when you look at the pressure numbers, I mean, Jones leads all interior uh, linemen with, with – I, I can't remember what the number is, but not even Aaron Donald has more pressures this year than Chris Jones from the interior. That includes Chris Jones playing some snaps on the outside too. And you wonder uh, about – you know, as we sit here and discuss what we think the Chiefs' biggest needs are, we can take our clues from the Chiefs themselves. They lined up Chris Jones on the outside, despite that never being the plan this year. Like, they think they need some help getting some more from, from that spot. So, I don't know. I guess I just I, – I'll probably repeat myself a little bit, but I, I come back to it, and I just think it's pretty obvious what the Chiefs need most. And, Blair, you made a great point with – They've had more success at this position than they have any other when you talk about midseason acquisitions. You look at their midseason acquisitions on, on offense, and they're typically aging players who used to be good who don't end up giving them much in the end. And Od- Odell Beckham is not an aging player. He is coming off of an injury. I do think there's some, some question mark there about what he's going to give you in the end. And You've only got probably one move in you because of the cap space. And I just think it, you know, you, you could be more economical with that elsewhere. Real quick too. I mean, I, I know we talk about the chiefs chasing the bills and that's absolutely what's happening, but I saw a tweet from Aaron shots from uh, football outsiders. Buffalo right now is the first team in the last 19 years to end a week. Number one ranked in their numbers in offense and number one ranked in their, in their numbers in defense. So I think part of this, we just sort of have to tip the cap to the bills, right? I mean, the chiefs are chasing the bills and that is happening, but the other 30 teams are chasing the bills too. And so being second place in a year where basically any other year you might be first place that still deserves credit. It just means that the chiefs are behind and they're behind because the bills built up a superpower. They've got Josh Allen on a very cheap deal and they've got other places where they can throw money and and bring in guys. And even when they're a little bit hurt, they're still really effective. So Again, this is sort of goes back to the old cliche, you know, the other guys are trying too. But I do at least want to mention that, like, 
just because the Bills are really, really good doesn't mean the Chiefs aren't doing well in their own right. I just think uh, this year they probably ascended above the Chiefs. And maybe they were that last year too, and the Chiefs won the coin flip game. But that's kind of my point. Like the playoffs play into what the Chiefs are right now. Like the Chiefs are going to have a 30, 35, 40% chance to win on the road against the Bills even if the Bills have proven themselves to be a better team over the course of the season. So that plays in the Chiefs' favor just like it played in the Bengals' favor a year ago. But I did want to give like a little hat tip to the Bills because they're playing really well right now, and they have a great front office. They have a great quarterback. They have all those things that the Chiefs have too. And uh, the fact that they've got passed up, the Chiefs got passed up, and they tried to rebuild and you know bring in some young guys this offseason, I don't know that there's much shame in that. And by the way, they're, they're barely worse than that team after all that Jesse just said. I mean, they're right in that game. Jesse looked at the the drive with the Von Miller sack. I'd encourage people to go read that. Two days earlier, I wrote about a different drive that I thought made the difference in the game. Like, they are right there with the team, which was my biggest takeaway from that game. Is I most I think all of us on this call thought the Bills were the best team going into the season, right? Um, that gap is maybe not as wide as we thought. And it's, you know, it's basing a lot just on one of one of 17, but it's not like the Chiefs have this large gap to make up to, to the – you've got to catch up to the Bills. Like, you feel like you're right there after that game. And I'll, I'll remind you that I, I think this is right. In the last four Super Bowls, uh, I guess we're – just assume that Buffalo ends up being the top seed in the AFC this year. But in the last four Super Bowls, um, the, the the so eight teams, right, four Super Bowls, the only – a top seed didn't win the Super Bowl. Um, and I think only twice did a number one seed play in the Super Bowl. And that was the Chiefs against Tampa Bay and the 49ers against the Chiefs. Everybody else had to come off the pace and typically win a road playoff game to get there. Now, the Chiefs didn't have to do that in 2019, even though they weren't the, the one seed. They got to play at home and, and, and you know teams in front of them fell. And, of course, last year for the Chiefs, they didn't have to play on the road and, uh, and they weren't the one seed. But – you can you absolutely can get to where you want to go and not be not have the best record in your uh, you know in your conference, and um, it's again that's a little bit of a different position for for can could be a little bit of a different position for Kansas City this season. Um, we've had some great questions. Um, I wish we could have gotten to more of them. Let's let's just take a couple real quick. Um, how about a Carlos Dunlap tape uh, take? Um, David asked, he was supposed to add edge pressure. Is there a scheme or has he fallen off? I actually think Dun I don't know what his grades are, but I think Dunlap's been pretty decent for the Chiefs this year. Anybody graded him or what is uh, what does PFF say? I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think earlier on he was really good. I think they were everything. It was interesting we we're having this discussion earlier that you know the Chiefs weren't able to sign Melvin Ingram, then he was the AFC defensive player of the month in September. <laughs> uh, but still the discussion was sort of like, hey, Carlos Dunlap was pretty good for the Chiefs, especially that first month. I think it's fallen off a little bit lately, but he still ranks as one of the highest graded players. So I think it's been good. Uh, I think some of his contributions are sort of the run contributions, which he talked about when he signed here. He wanted to contribute in both ways. So I think he's been good. It's sort of a, a rotational piece when you're looking at this. And again, I think for the Chiefs, this is the other part of this we have to kind of wrap our minds around, which is they got basically no contributions from rookies against the Bills that last game. If the Bills and Chiefs play again, I bet they get lots of contributions from rookies. So we'll see how that all plays out. That Karloftis question comes back again. But I do think Carlos Dunlap has been what they signed him for and been good enough. It's just he could use some help along with Chris Jones. 
Well, that's definitely a developing story, the contributions from rookies. Uh, it's been nothing but praise for that class ever since uh, they signed. And and look, there have been moments of, of you know great greatness. The the the, the Watson length of the field uh, interception return to basically to beat the Chargers. Um, there have been moments uh, for these for this rookie class, but I don't know, man. I saw that. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but uh, the, the Bills cornerback who the Chiefs were considering, you know, in, in the first round, Elam, the kid from Florida, make that pick in the end zone, took the taking the, you know, winning the 50 50 ball that we talked about earlier and thinking, I want to see that play from, from yeah. the Chiefs. I, I, Blair, I was going through this a couple of days ago, but look, their rookie class has been hurt by the fact that their top pick just hasn't been on the field, but for a half. Right. But you haven't gotten anything out of them for that reason. Karloftis has been underwhelming. Sky Moore isn't getting on the field much. Um, Brian Cook isn't like a full-time player. He gets on in the dime packages. Leo Chanel has not made a play, even though he's been offered the playing time. Um, Joshua Williams, I think, has been fine for a fourth-round pick. Like, you'll take that for a fourth-round pick. Darren Kernard, um, we didn't think was even going to make the roster. Um, Jalen Watson has been great for a seventh-round pick. Um, probably not a guy you want in your starting lineup. Um, same with Pacheco, great seventh round pick, probably not a guy you want to be your starting running back. Nazi Johnson didn't make the team out of camp. That's, that's a long list of draft class and you're kind of searching for, you need some more over the back half of the season. You, you need these guys to develop and, and there's guys on this list. I think fit that mold. Sky Moore being one of them. I mean, you look at individual play basis, like Sky Moore's doing some good things. It makes me think that maybe Sky Moore doesn't have the full grasp of the playbook. Um, you know, I think Jesse and I observed that in OTAs, where we saw him coming out of the huddle, going to the wrong side of the field in OTAs. And we thought, well, he's got a lot of time before the season starts, before week one gets here. Well, he's not playing that much, even though on a per-snap basis, it looks like he's, he's pretty productive, even if the ball's not being thrown his way, which I think that leads you to – be optimistic that Sky Moore is going to take a, a jump over the second half of the season from where he is now. And look, a lot of these guys can. They're seven weeks or six weeks in their NFL career. Um, but it is notable that it hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah, let's be honest about those top guys, Sam. Brian Cook was out with a concussion. Trent McDuffie is out with a hamstring. Sky Moore just isn't getting in the lineup yet, which I think is a problem that will be solved by weeks 15, 16, 17, 18, because he has – you'd rather have it this way, right? You'd rather – have him not play as much and be productive when he's in and learn the offense rather than be in there a bunch and not be as productive. And I talked to him in his locker last week. He said, Hey, two months ago, me would be proud of me right now. And he said, I've been studying. I've been trying to catch up, but so much of what I've learned, is just, I've had to be here. I've had to be on the field, that sort of thing. I think that'll just get better over time. And real quickly, Sam, you said that nobody would want Isaiah Pacheco as their starting running back. I think we can all agree from what you say that I think of Isaiah Pacheco, that I would definitely want him as my starting <laughs> running back, only behind Ronald Jones, who is still going to get his chance at some point, I promise you, right? Maybe, maybe not. All right, guys. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. And we'll pick up on a few of these thoughts. I really would like to explore the rookie class a little deeper uh, on another show, and maybe we'll see some imp strides of improvement from, from some of those players. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, George Howard, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. A tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell for making the show go. 
Morning Sports Edition was loaded with local coverage today. You had college basketball media days for the Big 12 and SEC, Chiefs and college football news, plus the baseball playoffs, NFL news, and so much more. Hey, you know what? I heard that today is the 26th time in history that games will be played in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and NHL. doesn't happen often on the same day. Well, they'll all be covered in tomorrow's Morning Sports Edition. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.